ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod on the Tyne. My name's Taylor Payne and this is a podcast brought to you by The Athletic, all about Newcastle United. I'm here remotely recording uh, and I'm joined, as ever, by uh, Chris Sergeant Sausage Waffles Waff. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm very good, thank you. Very good. All the better for hearing my Sergeant Sausage name. Not easy to say. It's a lot of S's. <laughs> and also, uh, George Corkins on the line as well. George, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm I'm better than Chris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that just in general, or is that at the moment? Oh no, it's very much just in general. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and also, we're joined by a special guest today. You've heard her on this podcast before, but Charlotte Robson has come back to talk to us. Charlotte, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm smashing it. It's lovely to hear your voice. How are you doing with the lockdown? What have you been up to? Oh, loads. Out all the time. Um, yeah, parties yeah, enough, just yeah. Full diary. <laughs> um, I have been running and working. I'm still working from home, luckily. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm able to do that. So I've been doing that. Watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy, drinking a lot nice. of vodka. Pretty much that. Responsibly drinking a lot of vodka. While of working. Course. Uh, no, no, well, no. I, I while running. <laughs> yeah, it's in my water bottle, so no one can tell. Outstanding. Lovely stuff. So if you do see a woman weaving along the, the, uh, the seafront, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's Charlotte. Excellent. George, what about you? Well, I mean, I've been work. Yeah, I've been working from home for twenty-five years, so this isn't much of a much of a shock, really. I had to write a piece um, last week about how to make it as a sports writer, and I, I was mm. chosen randomly. But um, I did say that the slightly annoying thing is that normally my normal day would be kind of get up at eleven, put on a ease myself into a smoking jacket, pour drink, a large scotch, shake yeah. shake my first mar- martini of the day. Yeah. Uh, and then and then wait until the muse hit me and started writing. But now, like everybody's working from home, including the boss, and so we're all doing Slack calls. So I've had to start decanting my martinis into my coffee cup to look professional and wear a shirt as opposed to the smoking jacket. So it's a bit inconvenient, really. Oh well, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's pulled your your usual routine apart, George. It's it's such yeah, a it shame you're, you're sounding so despondent, mate. And you're the real victim get, of all this. Absolutely. <laughs> hopefully, you'll be able to get back to being the. Uh, <laughs> the Tyneside Lothario that you are very soon. <laughs> wow. Chris, what about you? Have you had any good sausages recently? Uh, I did have a nice Cumberland sausage ring at the weekend, which was... <laughs> 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 oh, I've had that before, but um, I've had that. They don't give me some penicillin for it, though, and it's cleared it right up. <laughs> Why do you do it, Chris? Why do you do it? Oh, my God. You walk into it. <laughs> Cumberland ring. Oh, bless you. Was it good? It was. It was delicious. Thank you. Yeah, very, very enjoyable. Where did you get that from? Where did you? Where uh, did you that was it? from the Geordie Banger Company, actually. The, uh, the who we gave the, the plug to the other week. And then today's excitement, which uh, my fiance is very excited about, is we've had a new Henry Hoover delivered this morning. So that was very exciting. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fun, the fun, the fun never starts, does it? The fun You're never so starts. Sweet, Stops. Chris, oh, I sausage, bet the nights absolutely fly by in your house, do they? <laughs> what is a Henry oh Hoover? My God. What was a it's Henry one of those that? ones that look, it's got eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a, I think there's a it's George a and there's another couple ones. There's a, there's a, what's the, there's a, there's a female there's one, there's a pink one. Hetty, Hetty. that's it. Yeah. 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 We used to have one in my house when I was a teenager, but I can't really look it in the eye anymore now. Uh. <laughs> 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 this podcast takes seconds to descend into... 
that, doesn't it? Every time. It's the language of the snooker hall, Charlotte. That's what it is. <laughs> Disgusting. But do you know what, though? Nobody wants to know about curries or sausages. Sausages. They want to know about something else, don't they? They want to know about cans. Cans. Yes. So, George, I mean, I can imagine this week, I mean, what sort of state of your notifications in at the minute on Twitter? It must be a mess. You must have messages coming in constantly from people wanting to know whether it is hashtag cans or not quite hashtag cans. So where do we stand at the minute on cans? Well, Chris Chris has got quite cross with me for suggesting that this episode should be called Cans Adjacent. So he says I'm not allowed to do that because that 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 runs the risk of getting in trouble. Um but um I think we're cans adjacent. I mean I think that's the I think that's where we are. And by that I mean That's how far my ca- authority goes. The, yeah. the the cans the cans my cans are not being drunk. My cans are are now so cold that they're completely frozen and they'll explode when I try and open them. But you know, we're at that we're at that point. We're at the point now where um it's still with the Premier League, but that process is now nearly at nearly at an end. We're recording on Tuesday. I'm told that could be done by Wednesday. I don't want to give that as a def- definitive uh thing because it could it sounds could be like soon, you but... are. Sounds like well, I'm giving, Wednesday I'm... for sure. I'm giving a. I'm. I'm trying to give a sort of timeline, timeliney sort of update, and then after that, it's about money being transferred. So because this is a ludicrously large amount of money, and because there are, I mean, I don't understand, but I'm told that in business, this is this is always the way it works. That there'll be a deadline for that money to get uh, sent over, and what usually happens is that companies tend to kind of get get to the end of that deadline so we could then be another week away or another few days away so we're quite close so um you know there's been a lot of uh you know a kind of a lot of froth and uh stuff written and spoken about which is which is completely understandable because everyone's upper height and very nervous and excited and happy and sad and angry and all of those things within the space of three minutes and so we're seeing all that on social media as well which is completely completely understandable but I'm not particularly getting worked worked up about that I mean I'm been told from the start that they were very confident about uh, the director's test being passed that there haven't been red flags yes the you know we have to be very mindful of uh you know the background noise in terms of in terms of you know the Saudi involvement and human rights and all that kind of stuff but that they're confident and it's very close now to, to 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 getting the green light and then it's about the money being the money being transferred and if that didn't happen after all this that would be very peculiar wouldn't it yeah i mean you don't you don't slap down a deposit that size without without having some kind of plan in place to go through with it chris it's it it's been a funny week hasn't it it feels like every day there's been a new uh, piece of news a new thing to to try and knock the takeover off course something new every single day, whether it be Richard Keyes and his hairy hands or, or you know, <laughs> some, some kind of new uh, takeover bidders come out of the dark suddenly. Um, what's going on at the minute, Chris? Yeah, well, I, I mean, first of all, I'll just say that given everything that's going on and the lack of sport, that Newcastle, a potential takeover is really the only of interesting yeah. sports story out there other than when is sport going to come back? So I think that that's part of the reason why there has been so much noise. There's been a lot of opinion pieces written about uh, raising justifiable uh, questions about human rights record of Saudi Arabia, uh, the being sports and the alleged piracy and things like that. I mean, in terms of in terms of the letters, 
certainly in Amnesty International's case, I uh, have no problem at all with that. And I think that it was right that those that, that those issues were raised. That's what Amnesty International does. And if those issues are real, which they very much everyone uh, associate who knows more far more about Saudi Arabia than me says they are, then they should be raised. And I, th- I think, and I understand understand why Newcastle fans feel in some ways that all these letters coming out, oh, this is people are scared of Newcastle potentially becoming a big force or whatever going forward. And I understand that, but I don't think there's anything personal about this, no, everything yeah, that's going on. Not. This is what this is what Amnesty National is there for. That is exactly the process that they should be involved with. This is not about Newcastle United. They would have done that regardless of whoever was being taken over. Being sports, again, you're getting into geopolitical sort of uh, realms there and everything involved in that. And these are issues which... As George has said many times, the, the prospective buyers have been aware of, that they haven't come as news to them. The Premier League will have been aware of them, that they won't have come as news to them either. Um, and so, yeah, I can I can understand that people are worried that these are potentially knocking off course, but I, I never thought that was likely. I always thought that, that of the two issues, although for me personally, obviously potential human rights abuses is by far the more serious. I always thought from a Premier League point of view, given that we live in a capitalist world and the Premier League is very much the definition of capitalism, the potential involvement of being sports would be the, the one thing that, that may raise a red flag, but it, it seemingly hasn't. And I think it is just now a matter of time. I know that's frustrating, but the Premier League have to be seen to be investigating this. It was always going to take a bit of time because if they just waved it straight through, I think they would have had far more issues. It's strange, isn't it? Because it, it almost feels like broadcast rights take precedent over human rights at the minute, which is a really weird uh, thing to, to be thinking about. Charlotte, how are you How are you feeling about all this from a fan's point of view? Are you allowing yourself to get excited yet about this or are you st- are you trying to keep it on the level at the moment? No, I'm, I'm definitely excited. It's it's exciting. You know, there are loads of questions, but I, like Chris says, I just, I think it's, you know, too little, too late that these things have come out after, if we're to believe everything that's um, that's been written after the deal's basically done. So I don't, I don't think that's going to derail it. So I'm, I'm allowing myself to get excited. You know, as a fan, I am, I don't condone and I don't approve of X, Y, and Z. We don't need to get into it. I don't think, but um, of, of, of with regards to human rights stuff. But this is, it could, it could be such a brilliant thing for Tyneside and, and, and further. So I, I'm, I'm definitely very, very excited from that perspective looking at like a a, a consortium coming in with absolutely loads of money who want to invest in the region as well as the club is just that's such a good thing to me so I'm I'm very excited. George are we cans are they are they are they ready to go or are we kind of not quite on the cans yet are we just kind of holding off on cans? Oh no I'm not doing I'm not doing cans until I'm not doing cans until it's official, and um, and you know I've said before that uh, I'll be I'll be raising a glass to the end of something, for, you know, yeah. more than anything else because that's what we've yeah. that's what we've always told ourselves that we would do, and that's certainly what I'll be doing. And but no, I, I mean people people can do that now if they want. And to be fair, we're all just drinking shitloads of everything all the time. I don't know why. I don't know why cans is sort of a thing in lots of ways. Because let's face it, we're all fucking pissed now. I mean, I am. I started drinking at nine o'clock this morning, and I don't intend to stop until I fall over it. Probably at about two o'clock. Every day is cans day, isn't it? So every day is cans day because that's just how we get through, isn't it? Surely. Well, you know, I mean, I, I have to be honest. My wheelie bin is an absolute disgrace at the minute. My recycling bin. It's, it's it, embarrassing. It, it they took it away on Friday morning, and I swear it must have woken up every single house within three streets 
of my front door. It was a disgrace the noise that came out of my. Uh, I'm my putting backyard. my bottles into next into next door, and they're, yeah, they're, our they're, neighbors they're, aren't on in their house, so we've been using theirs as well. <sighs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, I think it's important, you know, the special cans. No, they're to one side. I want to see. I want to see an official statement that says he's gone, Ashley's gone, and then that's to me that's that's the hashtag cans moment. A few people have asked this this week. Where, how do you think that statement's going to come out? Is that going to come from the club, or will do you think that'll come from Amanda Staveley's side, or from PIF, or from the Premier League, or where's where's that statement going to come from, George? You got any any idea on that? Well, I mean, I think I think that's sort of to be determined. I mean, I think that's been one thing that they've talked about. There was, you know, there were discussions about when about whether to release something when the director's test started because that's when you know that's when the contracts were sort of swapped and agreed and all that kind of thing um that was the exchange moment and um the thought you know there was there were suggestions that Ashley wanted to do it at that point the the thinking from the Saudi side appears to be that they don't tend to uh, discuss stuff or announce it until something is completely uh, done and finished. There is a bit of uncertainty about what the Premier League do, whether they come out and announce and announce something. And I was told I was I've, in my most recent discussion um, that that does appear to be a possibility. So I mean, for for some people, that would be a cans moment. And then you know, the final the final point is when it's all done and dusted and uh, completion, as it's known. And you know that that there certainly will be. Uh, statements at that point who knows what Ashley will do I'm sure there'll be some sort of valid, valedictory sort of interview or statement that goes out and I'm sure that again the Staverly camp you know will release something at that point as well I mean I'm expecting when that happens um you know there could be an announcement and then the, I think there will be a mission statement of some of some point when they will sort of explain um you know the kind of stuff you know the vision I suppose the vision thing um, but really, those things are up for grabs. I saw your tweet earlier on today as well, which said, "Really, the only thing that can stop this now is is the money not arriving in Ashley's account." Is that is that how you is that what what you feel about this now? Is well, that's it, is it just yeah, that's what that's what I'm told. You know, that's what I'm told, and that's what they're telling me. So, um, I mean, we've seen seen the story overnight about there being a second bid, and that's very confusing, and I'm not sure particularly helpful, and it's not something I'm really giving any attention to because a other bidders have had a very long time to get themselves sorted out in a position to do something and we're far beyond we're far beyond that point now so to me to me that's irrelevant everybody says that this is agreed and signed and you know and signed and done and the last part of it is effectively regulatory approval which is the premier league and then the exchange of money so um you know and so that's that's all there is to do i mean everybody is going to have an element of uncertainty at the back of their head because that's what we you know that's what we're so used to and that's why i'm saying i'm not going to celebrate anything until it becomes you know until it becomes official because i think you know that is that is when ownership changes so at the moment they're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes which is um you know being done on the premise that it's going to happen um but they can't actually do the things like you know make contact with employees of the club like Steve Bruce for example 
until they actually own the football club and they don't. So they can do stuff around the periphery, which they're doing. You know, they're talking to local politicians, they're talking to to some fans and they're talking to sort of high profile former players and stuff like that. They're doing all those things, but um, they can't do the the proper meat and drink stuff until they actually have the club in their hands. Do we think that when Mike Ashley releases a statement, if he, if he does indeed release a statement, or a source close to Mike Ashley, do you think he will rescind calling Amanda Staveley a time waster? You know, because he's very good at like <laughs> rowing back on his sort of... I say rowing back. He, he gives like apologies that aren't really apologies, as we've seen various times, including at the start of sort of lockdown situation. Do you think that he's likely to, to make that public vault face or not? I mean, I know from her her side of things that, you know, it's no hard feelings, water under the bridge, that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe this this will maybe be something we talk about in future future episodes. But, you know, bearing in mind some of the stuff that was said about her and and written about her last time when it did when it did fall through, you do have to um you know, you do have to mark her stubbornness and uh, you know, refusal to sort of you know, to let that lie and to kind of come back. I mean, she's been she's been very, very dogged with this. It's it's you know, it's not been the only thing that's been happening in her life, clearly, but um it's a good, you know, it's coming up to sort of three years. It's two and a half years, uh, certainly since she first started, you know, got interested and to have that sort of stuff thrown at her, but then come back again and try again, um, it's uh it's a pretty, pretty remarkable thing. I mean we all know, as people who watch Newcastle and care for Newcastle, how how difficult it's been to have Mike Ashley as owner. And, you know, we've seen how difficult it is for other people to deal with him. And, you know, we've some, some of us have kind of felt that firsthand as well. But she's found a way through it and uh, and kind of come back for more, which is um, which is pretty admirable, really. I mean, Charlotte, you have to take your hat off to Amanda Staveley, don't you? Because she's she's kind of dealt with that initial rebuttal and being called a time waster and a tyre kicker um, and she's she's came back and she showed how um, how determined she is to get this deal done yeah totally I wonder if I wonder if it made her even more determined to sort of be mm. like right you're gonna say that about me in public well I'm gonna buy your club definitely now <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how business works so yeah um, I'm pretty sure that's what happened but yes it's, it's very impressive I I'm a very weak individual so I would have been very oh, upset no. by well, that don't kind say of comment. Like that. No, it's it's true. And I just I think I would have just retreated. But it's it's very impressive. It's admirable. And obviously from a fan point of view I'm very glad that she did keep trying and, and come back with with the better offer or, or whatever it was or when the timing was right or however however it worked. I'm interested in what Mike Ashley's statement, if there is a statement, would say, I don't really want to hear from him. I want him to retreat. I, I, I don't ever want to hear from the man ever again, personally. Yeah. I'm not interested in anything he has to say. He's, he doesn't have anything to offer to me now. I want, to, I want to hear from the new owners. We've bought the club. Here's the plan. And him to just skulk off with his £300 million. Pounds. Well, it'd be the great it would be the great irony of the Mike Ashley era if he does start to communicate once he actually leaves and gives yeah, I know. A big, like, <laughs> yeah, now, now you're talking yeah. to us. I don't yeah. want to hear it. Here are my top ten moments. Um, <laughs> God five, almighty, yeah. five decisions. Five decisions. Here we go, I wish Mike. I hadn't Here's made. your best bits. 
<laughs> Very yeah. Joe short. Kinnear in at number five. Oh god. Um, yeah, but one of the things that excites me most about this as well is is looking back at some of the old quotes that that Amanda Stavely put out, and I, th- I believe it was in the interview with you, George, uh, back when you were with the Times. Is about her connection to the region and also the Rubin brothers as well, and their connection to the region. Now, for those of you who don't who don't know about Amanda Stavely's backstory and stuff like that, her parents were were the originally, I believe this is right, the owners of the Lightwater Valley theme park. Oh is that correct, God. George? Yes, which I went to twice when I was a kid. Yeah, I went to loads. We used to have a school a school trip there every year until I was. We too did. Big we to had a maths trip there. Oh, right. We went on a maths trip. trip there. Yeah, we had to use. Do you, do you know those like wheels that click every meter? Like all the other kids were having fun on the ultimate, which is an amazing roller coaster, and we were like measuring the perimeter of it with a meter <laughs> clicker wheel. Oh God. <laughs> That oh, doesn't Charlotte, sound. Bless you. That doesn't sound like the most oh, fun of my. rides. We were allowed on the rides after we'd done the circumference. I went. Obviously, um, I, um, I went a long time ago, but I went. They, they had little motorbike tracks, so you could go on like mini motorbikes, and I had to go with one of those. And I watched. I used to watch, you know, motorbike stuff on televisions, and you know, you like you rev your, um, you know, you like rev your grip <laughs> with your right hand. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah. Are we all picturing so. the scene there? <laughs> right. So you like rev yeah. you rev the motorbike. So I was like, you know, having watched chips or whatever, motorbike series or whatever. I did that. And of course, what then happened was the motorbike oh s- set off really, really quickly in a straight line. And I smacked into a bale of hay and went arse over tit. And that was the end of that. Wonderful. Stuff. The end of your motorbike career. That was it. I could have been, been Barry Sheen. Yeah, but there would have been a claim. There would have been a claim there now if that had happened now. Where there's blame, there's a claim. But it was all my exactly. fault. So, um, so <laughs> yeah. But but on that, on uh, I mean, presumably that wasn't supposed to be a big long conversation about Lightwater Valley, was it? No, I was just. It was me just saying about kind of how I'm excited that the the, the potential new owners coming in do have a connection to the to the region as well. And Amanda Stavely's family home was an hour down the road. And, and you know, she's talked very positively and very passionately about the city and about the fans and about the people. Um, it, it, it sounds like she gets it. Do you know what I mean? Do you get that? Do you get that impression from her, George? Yeah, I do. And I think we need to see, we need to see, sort of see exactly what that means. I mean, I wrote back then and it's the case now. It started happening again. And this is, this is again, one, yeah, one of the reasons I'm sort of excited and pleased is that they're, you know, they're talking about a wider investment in the city. But, you know, the Ruben, the Ruben brothers already own uh, property and, and stuff here. But, there's also that sense of joining back with the city again and sort of this idea of the club being a beacon or this idea of the club sort of being infiltrating its way back into the lifeblood of the city. And it hasn't been like that. That's not to say that there haven't been people at the club who haven't tried to do it and haven't done important things. But, you know, this is a city with... Lots of great institutions, historical institutions in it, and the club should is is probably the most famous of all of them. And so there's no reason why the club shouldn't have relationships with people, businesses, other institutions. And we might not necessarily sort of understand at this stage where those things might go or where they might lead, but the club should be part of everything. I mean, I've always thought, you know, if like the council, for example, are doing an initiative about cycle lanes or anti-obesity or reading or whatever that the club should be that the club should be part of it and the club should be the face of it or you know because we know 
the impact that football has. And we see this through the work of the club's foundation as well. But it should be it should be the forefront of that. And the same thing I've always thought, again, if the Sage are doing a music festival, why aren't the clubs somehow involved in it? Or the Tyneside Cinema or, you know, Brendan Foster's Great Run Company. I mean, the Great North Run is 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 the biggest and best sporting event in the region by far. If you're talking about sporting excellence at the moment, it's got nothing to do with the football club and it has lots to do with things like why aren't those relationships there? Now the encouraging thing is that behind the scenes, like she did last time, um Amanda Staveley is having is starting to have those conversations and she's asking from whether it's fans whether it's ex-players, whether it's council people, whether it's businesses, what the relationship with the club should look like, what their relationship with the club could or should look like and what they would want from the club moving forward. And I think that's really important. Some of these things might just be little little relationships but that will make both parties better. I mean, and so, and when you start thinking about that, okay, it's you know, it's maybe a long way away from the first team. That might be a long way, but it's about what you know. It's it's about what a connected, vibrant football club should be doing because it's not just about the Saturday. It's not just about the results of matches. It's about so much more than that, and that is stuff that just hasn't been allowed to happen over the last decade and more. And I'm really excited about that because it's you know that is somebody who's not looking at the football club just at you know just as a as a bottom line. It's about, you know, it's about how it can be a healthy, thriving, engaged institution that people can be proud of, even when a result on a Saturday might not go the way we want. And that's really exciting to me. I feel like I should applaud at the end of that. <laughs> applaud me or yeah, applaud Yeah, her. like stand up and, and, and applaud. <laughs> Please do. Well, you're very, you're very welcome. You're no, very I'm welcome good. Too. No, I know, I, know exa- I know exactly what you mean, though. I mean, that, that, that idea of, of, of the club being interwoven into the fabric of, of the city is, is something which I'm very excited about. It's a thing that, that I think has been missing from the Ashley era. It's a thing which I think uh, needs to happen or I would love to see happen un- under Amanda Staveley and the, and the Rubin brothers. Um, I, I feel like there's an opportunity here to get an awful lot of people back on side. I know a lot of fans that I've spoken to over the years... Um, have said about about football in general really it's not really the game that I love anymore and, and it's changed to the point where I'm not interested and I think part of that is down to the fact that you have a club uh, uh, on the hill there in the city which doesn't connect with the fans in the way that it should and if that connection is made then I think you'll start seeing some of those people come back I don't think it's just about people being being disgusted with the Premier League and the amount of money involved. I think it's also about people not feeling connected to that club the way they did when they were kids, maybe, or when they were growing up. And I think that would be a massive thing to get some of those fans back on side. People will come back, but people it'll attract new people as well, which is yeah. great. It'll engage new people with, with this amazing region and city. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I mean we've seen we've seen the pro you know in the last two or three years people drift away and then this season that drift has become a flood and that's why you know we've talked about it a lot that's why ten thousand season tickets half season tickets have been given away this season now that's a that's a startling number and it should be a very worrying number and it's you know there are lots of reasons all in connected interconnected about why that's happened but you know. Even when the team has has been winning games, it's been very difficult. It's been very 
it's been easy at certain points to either love the manager or to love the team or to love the honesty of the team, but it's been very difficult to love the football club. And really, that should be the easiest thing of all. That should be the easiest thing of all. You know, it's it, the football part should be the hard bit. And you know, getting that right in a in a in a sense that, you know, the team is successful at the top of the top of a table or you know competing in cups and stuff. That's you know that takes time, it takes investment, all that sort of stuff. But we should be able to go on a Saturday and think to ourselves, yeah, I'm I'm proud of this. I'm proud to be going through the turnstile. I'm happy to be spending my money because I know that they're you know I'm trying, but they're trying as well, and I'm proud. And I can look around the city and I can see what the club's doing. And I can see that it's involved in my life, that I can see that the people at the top care and that they're investing. And, you know, we all, it's that that balance. I mean, you know, Chris and I get paid to do, you know, get paid to watch the football, but that balance between your own personal investment as a supporter, whether it's money or time or, you know, emotion, all those things in return for what you kind of get back. And if you feel that the club aren't trying, then that balance, it's it just stops. It's not there anymore. And that's the really dangerous bit that we've got to. I think part of the issue around that as well, though, is that we've had a club which has been run pretty much on a skeleton staff for a long time. And if it wasn't business critical with regards to the Premier League or to the football on the pitch, then I don't think it's really mattered. They'll say, oh, you know, the, the foundation deal with the community side of things. And, you know, we have the occasional uh, foray out into the community. We do these various projects. But when you've got a, a club which has been run on a shoestring, which it is, um, it's it, it's not as easy to just get out and get involved in all these projects, and and that's I think that's part of the problem we've had is that the, you've just got a club there which is working on a skeleton staff, and it, it's it, there's just not the resources there to do it. Hopefully, hopefully now that that this a new ownership will come in, a new regime, it'll be it'll be something which is thought about a lot more carefully, and and hopefully new staff will be taken on. There'll be new departments uh, opened up. The commercial side of the business will become something which is more of a focus because obviously we've our commercial revenue was was on a par with Spurs when Mike Ashley came in and now it's absolutely nowhere near that. Um, another thing which I think is worth talking about as well is that at the moment, even though everything has stopped, the world seems to have grown to a halt, there is still a business there which is chuntering away in the background and things have been happening at, at, at Newcastle with regards to to staff and the furloughing of players and the furloughing of um, of the scouting department and all that kind of stuff. Chris, have you got a have you got a bit of an update on what's going on there at the minute with regards to that? Yeah, well, I mean, there was a report yesterday that um, it seems that the head of recruitment, Steve Nixon, is is back from furlough. He had been uh, he had been furloughed. Now I don't know exactly when he came back off furlough, but I do know that, that, that I think it was. April the 20th, the three weeks minimum that Newcastle needed to have someone on furlough before they could return to work so they could claim um, on the government scheme. Now, that has passed, but as far as I'm aware, I spoke to some uh, club staff last night. The other club staff, as in lower-ranked positions, have yet to even hear whether their furlough is going to be extended because initially it was till the end of April they were told they would be on furlough on full pay because Newcastle are topping up the remaining 20%, but then it was going to be reviewed as of last night anyway. So we're speaking at uh, lunchtime on Tuesday as of last night. They had heard nothing in terms of where that was going to go. And, I mean, you mentioned before about sort of opportunity going forward, and I, I do think that's important, but what I what I don't want to think is missed here is a lot of people are saying it, it's easy for the new owners. And I think in some ways it is because there is... 
there is so there's going to be so much positive fervor for them. There's going to be, there is so much uh, hope that this brings, and and there will be that honeymoon period. But I can't stress enough that I just don't want them to waste that. This can't be taken for granted in terms of there is that yeah. positivity, but they they arrive in an unprecedented situation. There it is not beyond the realms of possibility that fans are not able to go into stadia for the next six months, twelve months. We're hearing about it. it there could be a long period of time before fans can actually go back to St. James's Park, there needs to be a lot of work done to really get people engaged and excited at a time when obviously there is a global pandemic going on, but also all of those little things that we've been talking about. It shouldn't just be that they're doing them to make themselves look good. It has to be that this is what the football club should be. And I think there is a significant difference there. And that for me is is important. And so in some ways it is easy, but I also think it's very it's going to be very difficult. And to change attitudes, not just going to happen instantly. And this needs to be something that goes over time. And so the fact that staff are currently furloughed, that can immediately make an impact by removing them from furlough. But it needs to be a complete change of, of mindset and direction. And it, that's it, that all the right noises are coming out so far, but it's about actions and it's about making sure that going forward that, that does change and that they don't take that goodwill for granted and actually they use that and really use that to to positively push forward yeah I think one of the things from my point of view as well which disappointed me slightly I don't know how you felt about this Charlotte from a fan's point of view uh when they when they were showing the old games at three o'clock on a Saturday now to me that was a really nice thing and Uh, and I sat with my I sat with my little boy and we sat and watched the Newcastle Man United game the 5-0 and, and I was talk, talking to him about the game and I was saying, look, that's David Ginola. He's a fantastic player who used to play for us. And I was t- telling him all about the team and stuff. And we sat and watched it together. And it was a lovely, lovely moment. And I thought, this is going to be great. If we can do this every week, I can sit here with my boy and watch these games and teach him about a little bit about the history, about Newcastle. And then it just stopped. And I thought, I wonder why they've done that. It seemed like such an open goal to just be able to keep that going and keep that engagement going with the fans. And then they stopped it. I watched that one with my dad um, and when mm. I told him that they were doing it, he was so excited because he was at that game. I was, I yeah. wasn't, I think my brother had gone with him, but I, I hadn't and um, he was so excited and, and, you know, even though the quality wasn't great, I mean, it's from whatever, 20 years ago, whatever. And um, yeah. it didn't, it just didn't matter more than that. 25, God, it just didn't matter. It was so, it was so like my dad was watching it. Like it was live. It was such a fun thing yeah. to do. And in the absence of, any football, anything. Obviously, I think the Belarusian league is still going on, but um, in the absence yes. of um, any anything live, it was it was such a treat and it was such a nice thing to relive those really happy memories. It got pulled because of the furlough scheme, I suppose, that everybody yeah. w- wasn't working. But Correct, it, yeah. it it did feel like such a such an easy win, and surely wouldn't. I mean, if it's if it's one person doing that job, I'm sure it wouldn't have been. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being very naive about how much work it takes to sort of put it up and stuff like that. But I, but I, I can't. It can't have been more than just one person's job. Just to, and and for people to sort of re-engage and and enjoy it like that. I just thought it was a real easy win for the club, and it seemed really typical of our current ownership to yeah. sort of switch it off. Like it's like you're having too much fun. Mm. Like you're enjoying this too much. You can't <laughs> yes. have it anymore. Yeah, yeah, taking it away. All they had to do was have a look at, at Twitter and, and at Facebook during the games when they were being shown just to, mm-hmm. to see what it meant to the fans and to see the level of engagement it was bringing. And I think it was a, it was a, it was a real shame when that, when that went away. I was actually really looking forward to what they were going to put out with that and thinking about what other games they might show, you know. And it was, a, it was a one of those where 
I felt really disappointed when that disappeared. Doesn't help the bottom line, though, does it, Taylor? You're so you're such a romantic, <laughs> honestly. I know, I know. I do, I do apologise, but you know, here we go. Me, me being a football fan and wanting to watch football, whatever next. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's true. It is true, and it does. It is, you know, it's really, it's offensive, and it's, it's, you know, hopefully this is the last. This is this will be the last offence of the of the Mike Ashley era. That's what I, that's what I hope. I mean, oh, I feel like you're kids. inviting something now. Well, I mean, you know, you just never know, dear. You? you just never know. But I mean, you know, other clubs kind of shamed into change or persuaded. You know, if we want to be less cynical, persuaded, you know, to change their opinion. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind if you admit you made a mistake, and um, you know, we've all done it, and um, and then trying to be better, and you know, and it's, it's there's just not there's just not been an, an iota of a chance that Newcastle would do that, is that I mean, again, at a moment like this of an engaged, vibrant, forward-thinking club would understand the benefit of keeping fans happy, helping, you know, doing doing little things that, you know, don't bring them financial gain, but in the long run can help you feel more connected to you to your club. It should be just automatic. It should be stuff that happens. And I agree, you know, some of the coverage, you know, the 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 1996 game was great it was great fun to kind of watch that and and be you know feel again that you're part of something and that that is what it's about i mean at a very basic fundamental level that club idea is that that you're part of something and you're part of something better and bigger than yourself and you're all connected you're all together and you that amazing feeling of walking into a stadium when you're all there and it's surging down the road and you walk in the stadium and you feel that sort of just that extraordinary sort of power and we don't have that enough and you can't you can't monetize that necessarily you can't break that down you know in that way it's just a feeling and that is just a little part of that where you're you're you can be part of something all together and it makes you smile and it makes you happy and it makes you feel like that i mean that's you know that's what you want a football club to to represent yeah, you can't replicate that watching Christian Atsu play FIFA against Musa Sissoko, can you? you can't. His video <laughs> you just before can't, was brilliant. You just though. can't do it. Oh, my God. Oh, when he was preparing. Yeah, that yeah. was. Lo- I, I loved oh, this video. I, mean, I didn't, actually watch, was, yeah, I didn't watch any of the, the other thing because I didn't really understand what was going on. But I, 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 liked, <laughs> I, I did like the video. Well, Chris, Chris used to get confused looking at tall buildings and then would fall over. I mean, this is, that's another one of the great Chris stories. So I'm not surprised that you were looking at something and feeling kind of vaguely confused, Chris. No, it was before it happened and people keep, kept tweeting saying he's playing against Musa Sissoko and I was like, well, what does that mean? I don't really know what that you know means. You know what FIFA what is? What do you mean? Do you know what no, well, then I, I realised that afterwards, but it's like, is that, that really... I didn't really understand the excitement. I mean, this is the problem. I don't think people were excited about it. I just think there was nothing else. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was going to say, sorry, there is this like wider Go thing on. of sort of missing football and football coming back and things like that. And I mean, I hate the idea of football coming back in empty stadia and I just think it's I think that's nonsense and that's something I'm actually writing about at the minute in connection to Newcastle but you know that and it's something that's not really talked about that that the people in the stadium used to be the most important people and now they're the least important people and we see examples of that we see, see examples of that sort of everywhere whether it's VAR where the people in the stadium are the last people to find out whether it's Games being put on a Friday night or a Sunday whenever or a, you know, Saturday team, you know, times that are almost impossible, make it almost impossible for people to get to and back. And yet people still do it because because they're, you know, 
that's part of who they are. So they massively inconvenience themselves in terms of time and money, and they do it. But, you know, I, I hate the idea of Newcastle kind of coming back and then suddenly St. James's is, is empty. And, and, and you know, t- that would be one of the sort of hugest, biggest, hugest, uh, would have been, is that as hugest a word? I don't think it's a word, no. It is. It is now, George. Is it just? Well, it's one. It's one of the things that sort of really disappoints <laughs> me, and particularly when you know when and if there's new owners there, it will be sort of so sort of rubbish. And I don't miss football. Okay, thank you. I don't miss <laughs> football in a general sense. I mean, I've actually been trying to think about this. You know, I've got Sky and I've got BT Sport, and I, I've sort of felt guilty about getting rid of them, although. I mean, guilty in the sense that when there's a match on, I kind of think, oh, you know, it's I should probably watch that. And I don't want to. I'm not interested. I'm genuinely not interested. I've really enjoyed watching box sets and films and things like that. Um, it's been one of the kind of great pleasures. But I do miss that feeling of being with other people and in a small sense when it comes to family and friends, but in a much larger sense when it comes to football. I really want to be in the stadium on a sunny day and see it gradually fill up and feel all those emotions. I mean, I do, I miss it dreadfully in that in that sense and can't wait to be back. And um, sorry, that's a slight sort of, that's a slight sort of uh, divergence from what we were talking about. But that's what I, a club means to me. It's not this sort of, it's not this soulless experience that, that football and television kind of can be or, you know, even what the sort of the Mike Ashley years have have been for us. It's about togetherness, and that's you know that's what I really want. So uh, the football season may be on hold, but obviously the Athletic is still home to four hundred of the best sports writers in the business, and they're still hard at work telling unique, engaging, informative stories. Uh, the Athletic can keep you connected to the team and the sport you love, and you can sign up now for a ninety-day free trial to see for yourself. So if you go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, uh, you can get a ninety-day free trial for the Athletic, and you can engorge yourself on all of that lovely content. How does that sound? That's a good uh, a good deal, isn't it, chaps? Well, I'm going to subscribe. I think you should, definitely, yeah. Thanks very much for listening, ladies and gents. Thanks a lot, Charlotte, again, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I hope you're keeping all right. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Coming in. You haven't came in anyway, have you? You've sat no. on your on no. your couch and, and yep. phoned us. But thank you for phoning us. It's much appreciated. Thank you for letting me. <laughs> no problem at all. And thank you, George, again, as ever, for your... Uh, for your availability. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, fulfilling the basic terms of my contract. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many times this week have you been asked if the takeover's done yet or not, mate? Um, just, uh, on Twitter, just out of, out of curiosity. 60, 67. Oh, 67, wow. The, the sexiest amount of times. Oh. Too yeah, 60, 65, that is the sexiest number. <laughs> <laughs> You are so quite Charlotte, right, Charlotte. Who, Charlotte, who began this podcast saying it, it degenerates <laughs> very quickly, has ensured that it hasn't ended on a it's better just, note. It's, it's rubbed off on me. Oh, well. that. So <laughs> they say. Uh, right, okay. Uh, and Chris Waffles Waff, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're keeping well. My pleasure, yeah. I know. I hope everyone out there is safe and well. And thanks for continuing to listen and support. And we've had a lot of, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of interest in the Athletic, and we, we really do appreciate anyone coming on and, and sort of giving us a go and, and, and helping support us because it allows us to hopefully do more of this going forward 
Absolutely, mate. And uh, you look after yourself and make sure you uh, you get yourself some more sausages in for next week. And obviously as well, pass our our best regards on to your fiancé because this must be a really testing time for her. Uh, so, so, so thank you for uh, thank you for joining us again, Chris. It's been great fun. Thanks a lot, everyone, uh, for listening out there as well. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you next week, potentially with a can special. Who knows? Maybe we will, maybe we won't. There's only one way to find out, and that's just to keep waiting uh, and keep patient and see what comes out over the next week or so. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, this has been Pod on the Tyne. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care.